Welcome to Everything House Music and More. And my special guest today, all the way from overseas, I have Jamie326. Jamie, what's going on, brother? Yo, what up, Mo? Man, <laughs> thanks for having me, man. A lot of people don't know uh, what's happening right now. So right, right, this right. is kind of virtual, but it ain't virtual. Hey, brother, I, I, <laughs> right, right. I appreciate that for coming in. So you ready to do this, man? Yeah, man. Let, let, let's talk. Right. Let's talk about it, baby. Let's get into it. So, Jamie, how did you meet House, the culture, and how old were you? Woo! You know, I'm not going to go into the typical story that a lot of people say, you know, they started off playing records when it's little, blah, 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 which right. was true. But it's like I kind of was into the disco, funk, soul culture from my mom, my uncle, and my cousins growing up in the 70s. And then it's like from my uncle just basically being 10 years older than me and him a teenager in the 80s, you know, in the 70s. So basically I got into him being under him like my big brother right. and- him going to the disco and the through the disco and the GQ phase and all of that. My wow. mom going out yeah. to disco and all yeah. of that. And, you know, that kind of started. And then as well, I grew up in Beverly, but I also spent time in South Shore. Mm. And at my grandparents' house right next door, I owe so much to this dude. I got <laughs> education from him. Right. This gay guy, Dennis. Okay. And you know how it used to be back in the day, people put their speakers in the window. Yeah. And like we saw it called Play Your Box. Oh, wow. He was playing jams now in hindsight all right. of these jams was tunes that he was hearing at like the warehouse ah. and he was playing these cuts so i can remember him playing like the peach boys right. electra feels good all this stuff like when it was hot and new and right. he just kept playing these cuts and that was like yeah. what i was drawn into you know and then of course you know then when the mixes started playing on the right. radio all of that i was into it so, so how were you at this time the bro like 10 you know, like nine, ten. Right. You know, so it's like this was the cool culture period. You yeah. know, so I used yeah. to love the hot mixes and all that. I was always right. into it. And then as well, my godfather was a DJ. Okay. All this kind of stuff. So it's like I was around DJ culture and all of that from growing up. Nice. And then it just developed as well as I had a neighbor who was more like a big brother. Right. Darren, rest in peace. And he used to party at like the playground and all of that. Okay. And I used to hear him play you know, play cuts. So right, it's right, like, right. I can remember when he bought home the Kraftwerk album with numbers and all oh of that. Goodness. And I'm sitting there jamming with him with that. So it's like that kind of stuff yeah. all influenced me. And then as time went on, right, then got, okay. got into okay. it, got into it. So what things do you remember during that time, like in terms of fashion and music? Man, I mean, it's like, this is all house culture. So it's like, I know the roots of it. So it's like, I can remember seeing the older kids, especially, like I said, being in South Shore, it was like, Preppy, you know, the punk new wave, right, right. especially the, the punk out stuff, especially from I used to listen to the Herb Kent punk out show with my cousin, my yeah. older cousin and my neighbor. So right. it's like I can remember the Preppy, you know, the Argyle, oh, yeah. you know, the Levi's, Penny Loafers. I remember the, the Argyle Polka Sox, Dots, right, all right, that stuff. Polka yeah. Dots, all of that. Then I can remember it going, you know, mid 80s going in another direction and it right. really went Preppy. Then yeah. it went house and yeah. then. Deep house, okay. and it's like in my t in my age group, I was right. part of the the deep house, you know. So so let's let's go there. Like, that. what generation are you? Are you first, second, or third? Uh, I say well, two, and two and a half into five, right. because I guess basically, you know, because I was into it, you know, right. from being younger. But when I really got into it, and most definitely was partying from the neighborhood house parties on to the school dances and all that. Yeah. That's like 1985. Okay, so when did you start DJing? Around uh, 85. I started messing 85. around like 85. Okay. And then at that time, you wasn't Jamie 326, right? No, no, no. What no, was no. your DJ name at the time? <laughs> <laughs> 
you know how everybody used to have that that middle right, <laughs> that right, middle right, name. Right. So when I first started, I was uh, I was Jamie Jack in the house. Oh shit, <laughs> Jamie Jack in the house. Right. Okay. Then 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 I got with my my crew, my my old crew, the Lust Corp. Then okay. I was Jamie Lust. Jamie for a long right. time, right. and then Jamie three two six came later. Okay, so what places were you going to to hear music, and uh, what DJs influenced you at that time? Man, most definitely, like I said, the radio DJs. But of course, everyone always talks about BMX. Right. But I got to talk about the stations on the left end of the dial. Okay. That influenced me. So that most def. That's why sometimes I would go over to my grandparents' house so I could pick up NUR mm. and HBK. Okay. So I had to say. Everyone always talks about BMX. Right. I got to say WKKC. Oh, wow. Okay. Because yeah. it's yeah. like. College radio. Whoo. Yeah. Bro, the Friday night audio. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Especially Leonard. Right. Uh, Walter Get Down Brown. Right. Bobby Q. Bobby. Yeah. Shelton Spinning Reese. Yeah. Hugo H. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was, I was on it, bro. <laughs> you know, Walter Brown with the roaches, all of that, bro. KKC right. was my station. Then you got HBK with Lee Collins with yeah. the Disco Madness show. Right. Then you had NUI with T Shot Blee. Yeah. All that. So, bro, I was on was that there. and CRX. So, yeah, it's like I yeah. was into it, you okay. know, just to get these mixes and things like that. Yeah. So, that <laughs> left end of the dial was more important. You, right. meant, meant, meant a lot to me. So, were, were you a trick DJ or up and down crossfader or middle style? I mean, how, how was your style at that time? Bro, it's like everybody started off doing tricks yeah. and scratching and things like that and until things bubbled up. Right. From the underground. And what's so crazy is you would think it's it's a large time span yeah. in that. And it's like, no, it's very short to where it flipped from the under from the hot mix style to the underground style. Yeah. So of course I used to trick and scratch and things right, like right, that right. and then just went yeah. to blending. Yeah. You know, especially after I started going to a lot of different parties, okay. you know, and experiencing the deep stuff as well as hearing certain stuff on the radio right. and it wasn't tricked or scratched yeah you know things like that yeah that's most definitely so at that time which was your dj that influenced you the most at that time Ooh, okay i would have to say of course all the wkkc djs okay steve silk hurley right. especially when he was on bmx yeah uh farley ralphie right Stop forgetting. I don't know. I just say Lee Collins, <laughs> you know, all the T Shot Bleed, yeah, all the CRX DJs, then of course, all the neighborhood DJs, John Jam and Jason. Right. I mean, John Jam and Mason, my bad. Okay. <laughs> my, right. my bad, John. Right. John Jam and Mason, Disco Don, the whole high fidelity crew. Those yeah. were like the DJs I looked up to. Okay. And the first DJs I really saw like mixing and things like that. And right. they did all the neighborhood house parties. Okay. okay. And, and yeah, those DJs most definitely. Then when I started going out, and it's like one of the first parties I went to, because I lived in the area where Longwood, you know, Academy of Ladies, around yeah. the corner. Oh, yeah. So I didn't even have to go to Mendel because I had a girl's right. school right, exactly. right there. Yes, it's Catholic sir. school party. So right. a lot of the DJs that used to be through there would be like Ferris Thomas, yeah. Lil Lewis, yeah. you know, WKKC DJs. Yeah. Uh, that was good. That was Andre good Hatchet, right there. Yeah. Right. You know, Andre Hatchet. So it's like one of the first parties I really went to. In like 1985, was at my old Catholic school, St. Margaret. Okay. And Andre Hatchet was DJing. Nice. And yeah. I was blown. Oh, Because yeah. the thing was as well, he's one of the dopest. Absolutely. And tightest, technically Absolutely. sound DJs I'm trying to still get him. He keep blowing me up, but I'm going to yeah, get him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Andre is that dude. 
right. you know, straight butter. Yeah. And it's like the way he was playing, he wasn't scratching. Right. You know, anything like that. No. So it's like he was beating the box. Yeah. Straight and then playing, playing edits yeah. and things like that. And I was just like, whoa, <laughs> you know, because my young mind was blown. Right, but, right, right. But it's like that party, I heard a lot of stuff for the first time. Right. Because it was like underground. Yeah. And yeah, like I can remember him killing that edit he did. That, and a lot of people don't know he made this edit because Ron used to play it a lot. Okay. But it's an edit of Sherlyn, You Save My Day. And, and then it goes into Sh- I'm, I'm Every Woman. Woman. Shaka Khan, yes. Andre Hatchet did that edit because uh-huh. I asked him. Yeah. And he told me. I so remember I was that like, record completely. I was edit, down in the house basement, man. I heard bro. that. I lost my mind. Bro. Yeah. So it's like hearing that and I'm just like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So most definitely Andre okay. rates very, very high. And okay. then we can get into the <laughs> the others a little down the so line. So when was your first paid DJ gig? It's paid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, used to do it just to do it. But Correct. I would say uh, Well, I think we all yeah, started like yeah, that yeah, because yeah. we did it full of love at right. first. But and then I, we became popular and then what was your like rem- your memorable like DJ gig? Man. It, had, it was a house party. Okay. Most definitely it was a house party. Oh, yeah. A graduation party. House at, meaning that was in somebody's yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, in somebody's yeah. house. Yeah, yeah. And man, it was three of us and we split $30. Oh, wow. That was, was big back then, though. Man, but I spent 50 <laughs> on the records. <laughs> right, right. You know, spent 50 on the records. But, but you didn't it mind just, it, though, because you, you had to hide the shit at a time. Yeah, yeah. And as well, it was just like, I wanted to be like the DJs I looked up to in the yeah. neighborhood doing... These parties and most definitely in that you know time and you know this Mo is like right. getting one of the popular girls and they oh, want yeah. you to DJ they party Absolutely. and you know they parties would be the shit. Yes, sir. Man, that's like a official right, official right, right. stamp, right? You know, so yeah, it started from from doing thirty dollar parties to yeah. basically graduating up to doing my own mobile stuff, right? You know, things like that, street promotion, okay. doing our own events. So it's like I've worked every aspect. So you was doing street promotion, game. hanging posters. Man, and hell yeah, in the okay. winter. Yes, sir. Yeah, and okay. bro, it yeah. would get brutal about oh, yeah. doing that. And people tear your posters down. Oh, yeah. You out or, there in the cold of, oh, yeah. in the winter. Yes, and then you come back around and you see <laughs> see your posters on the ground. Right. Bro, it would go down. Everybody think this was all about peace, love, yeah, unity. Yeah. No, it wasn't no. At the time. Right. No. Those so, who know, know. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, Jamie, take me through the 90s, man, because a lot of times we hear a lot of people say they was there from the beginning all this other stuff. But a lot of times you don't see them from the decades of the 90s to the 2000s. So run me through the to, to the 90s from me. Well, you know, actually, it's like in the, uh, in the 80s, especially the late 80s, there's a generation that wasn't in the mix. Right. And it's like, I was a teenager then. Yeah. So it's like we were in a whole different kind of culture versus the culture that started before us. Mm-hmm. And then we took it and flipped it in our own way. And then we got deeper. Yeah. And deeper with the music. And then right. we got deeper with the clothes, with the fashion. Yeah. We looked a certain way. We had big pumps, big boxes. Right. Big clothes. Yeah. You know, the silk shirts. Right. Wide legs, all of that. Yeah. So it's like as that went on, you also had... Like I said, I followed Ron Hardy till he couldn't play anymore. Okay. So there's a lot of people who talk about Ron Hardy, but they only talk about this one period. Correct. And it's like, there was other stuff that was going on that he was doing, but a lot of these people were down the street and shit Ricks. Uh, <laughs> With yeah. their Stacey Adams on right, 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 and, and right. things like that. Right. So I could talk about that. Just like at 2210, 
when they took that over and they called it the music box, right. to my generation, that's our music box. Yeah. Of course it's not 326. Right. But to us, that was that's it. that's our music box. Yeah. You know, and even when the roof caved in and they moved next door. Right. See, I can talk about this because right. I, I was, was there. there. Yeah. You know, as well as I follow Rhonda when he was up north and he was playing at AKA right. and all of this and had the residency there. And yeah. once again, like I said, in that period as well, he was breaking a lot of new music. Okay. And a lot of people don't know that because wow. yeah. they weren't there. Mm. You know, especially in like 1990, right. he was breaking a lot okay. of new music. Right. You know, so... Also in that period, it was also a shift and you had another DJ that a lot of people don't talk about who's actually very famous, especially in, in my home country, okay. the Netherlands, right. DJ Rush. Oh yeah. DJ Rush at this time was this same kind of Pied Piper that Ron Hardy was, mm. but to another generation. So actually that generation would be like 3.5 right. to... Generation four. Yeah. And they were hanging at the reactor. They were hanging right. at the Bismarck. Right. Things like that. You had the wild, crazy crew like G2, yeah. Generation 2000, all of it. See, this is the part of culture that Absolutely. a lot of people they don't, don't know about. Right. We don't have that part. You know, yet. and it's yeah. the deep, deep, you know, aspect of it. Right. And then they took it and flipped it and did their own thing. But DJ Rush okay. was that guy. Mm. And he went deep as right. well. Like I said, you got DJ Rush, you got Craig Alexander. Right. It's a lot of people that. They don't talk about, yeah. you know, that was doing, you know, things on a whole deeper, absolutely deeper level. Yeah. So it's like that whole rush movement, like I said, it influenced a whole nother generation, okay. you know, of, of heads and right. they were younger. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing is, it's like, wow, I was just a little bit older than them. I was also trying to hang at older spots. Cause I'm like, I can't be around these kids yeah. now in hindsight, I missed out at the reactor, which is like a legendary spot now. Right. Because I was just like, man, I can't be around these kids because yeah. I wanted to be on right, right. something so else because I yeah. always hung out with older people. And we people weren't that much older, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, you can't discount them and a lot of other underground right. DJs as well as you had the loft scene going on on yeah. Milwaukee Avenue. Right. This is pre-Red Dog and all Correct. that. Legendary parties. Right. <laughs> Whoo! Oh, my God. Yeah. Legendary parties on Milwaukee Avenue. And it was like all these other spots and things that were going on. And I was actively in it and okay. searching and seeking out all these kind of different parties and places because I was still a fan of the music. Even yeah. though I was a DJ, right. I wanted to hear that shit right. or get the shit and yeah, go yeah, yeah. to where it was. Right. So it's like, I've touched all kinds of historical aspects of this, especially in the nineties. Yeah. And like I said, it's a lot that doesn't get talked about the same as with, all the Chicago labels that was yeah. really popping and Absolutely. rocking in the 90s, yeah. just like yeah. you would vibe yeah, we with, have vibe. We have with everything. Yeah, exactly. All this house jam, all yeah. this, the address, let me make sure I got it right, 701 North Green. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> I was over there with uh, Mirage and everybody. Yeah, Mirage and everybody, because I know yeah. that address from the record. Absolutely. You, you know what I'm Absolutely. saying? So it's like you had all of that going on. You had all these other producers yeah. who were doing stuff like Braxton Holmes, yeah. Ron Trent. Yeah. It was a lot of people. It was doing a lot of things. stuff going on in, in the nineties. You got you had Clubhouse with Hula and everybody. You yeah, had, it, I mean, a lot of Chicago labels. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's like, but they always when they talk about Chicago, Chicago history, I always want to just say DJ International right. tracks. That's right. And I tell people, I'm like, it was more to it than that. Absolutely. So once again, when you have this narrative 
repeatedly being said over and over and over again, it programs people. Yeah. So people really only think Chicago is this one period Correct. in the 80s, and it's not. It Correct. went even further yeah. than that. And the other difference was the same artists that got ripped off by those other labels, right. they developed their own and that's, built their own. That's, how, that's what we had to do. That's what we had to do. I mean, exactly. it, was, it was to the point where, you know, people was coming back to Chicago. Yeah. Trying to sign things and, and get stuff signed to, you know, some majors too because right. of that, you know. Yeah. So I think you were right. Like a lot of people forget. That's why I brought it up about the 90s because a lot of, like you said, a lot of the people in the past wasn't there from, from the 90s. So they don't understand it. Right. They try to come back in into it later in the 2000s. Ugh. But like you said, we did have a nice amount of Chicago labels. Artists, DJs, everything coming out during that time. Yeah, as well as, you know, you had a lot of things popping, you know, on the north side. Yeah. You know, you had Derek Carter and them, Diz, Mark Farina. Yeah. You know, Lego, Spencer Kinsey, all, all these Spencer, yeah. Yeah. you know, all these, you know, then as well, you know, the stuff that was going on with prescription, with guidance, yeah. yep. with casual, all of this was all going on, yeah. you know, at the same time. And right. it's like this period really needs to be talked about. Absolutely. A, a lot more. So were you did you have a res- residency somewhere at during the nineties? Ooh, no, 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 no. no, no. Just... I was I was doing underground stuff. Okay. Uh mobiles, a lot of college parties. Okay. Things like that. Like I did a lot of college parties uh with like Terry, okay, Ferris. Okay. Especially like we always used to do a lot of stuff in Northern, oh, Northern really? Illinois. Now this was still Jamie Lust or Yeah, yeah, okay. this was Jamie Lust. <laughs> Jamie Lust all day. All, all day. You right. know. So it's like we were doing that as well as we also worked with Dwayne Woods. So we used to end up, we ended up doing like setups for him because he would be out, you know, stretched out. Okay. And then we would end up doing sound setups and things like that. I'll get so, out of here. So a lot of times we would set up the equipment. Right. And then we bring records too. Ah, so you get on. Get on. You oh, know, wow. and, and even sometimes get old school with it, you know, be like, hey man, let me get a blend. Right. And <laughs> those who know know that line, you do right. know what we're talking about. You gonna take over Next from there, you know right. you take over. Right. You, you know for a whole hour. They like, like so you know who these dudes walking in with crates. Right. Right. Like right. We used to have have it like that. You know, it's okay. It is what it is. So what made the switch from Jamie Lust to Jamie three three two six then? Man, you take know, it's I'm gonna take it. Take it real. I'm going to try to make it short. But okay. actually, from Jamie Lust, because I was down with, you know, the whole crew and things like that, and I kind of split off and chilled. I burnt myself out. I was doing a lot of gigs right. and things like that. And then I regrouped. I still bought music and things like that. But this is something that I, I want to share, because this is, this is some wisdom right here. Okay. There was a time in the 90s I was working and hanging out hard with Glenn Underground. Okay. He used to live around a corner for me at one time. Okay. So I was there when he made a lot of his classic right. stuff in the early 90s. I was there. Okay. And Paul Johnson. Right. And I was learning and soaking up stuff. Right. And as well, you know, they were helping me, you know, with some tracks or whatever. Okay. And I can remember having tracks turned down at Casual hmm. with that. And it affected me. And I didn't right. go. And then I got disappointed. And I wasn't patient. Okay. And then I would go in the gramophone and I start seeing all my friends on the wall. Oh, wow. And that messed me up. Yeah. So I was like, now I'm done with house. Yeah. So I was playing Steppers music. I was really. <laughs> Are you serious? So what year was yeah. this? This was like 90, about 95, 96. Wow. Between like 96 and like 90, 
97. Okay. 98. Yeah. So I no was house. just like, man, man, I ain't doing that shit. You know, wow. <laughs> I was mad. So it's like, so it's a wisdom, a lesson that I'm trying to share yeah, to people yeah. that sometimes you got, especially if people are trying to put you on, sometimes you got to be a little patient. Yes. And you never know. Trust the process because some things yes. can work in your way. So, Absolutely. so of course, going to the record shop would be traumatic. <laughs> so I stopped with right. that. Right. Then I just got back into it. And then I still was like buying records and, you know, collecting. Right. And then it's like a lot of things just kind of happened. I started doing some events with my guy, Steve, Steve Butler. Okay. And uh, it's going through this name change. And I was like, man, I might do this three, two, six. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I was doing these events with him and I was spending hip hop right. with a live band yeah. doing stuff with that. But I still would beat the box like yeah. I'm spending house. Right. And my man still like, man, you beating this like you at 326. And I'm like, okay, that's sticking too. Then, you know, with the tagging like you used to do with the club addresses, all that. So I'm like, yeah. boom, I'm going to do it. This is it. Then right when that happened uh -huh. and I started doing, getting out a little bit, that's when that whole wrestling, Steve Austin 316 oh, yeah, 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 was yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So then when I started doing like these events with Reggie, Reggie Corner, Reggie Corner, right. People were calling me Jamie 316, <laughs> you know, and stuff like that. Cause it's like, that's, right, that's, that's the power of branding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? That's, yeah. that's the power of branding. And it's like, I started doing these events with Reggie and it's like, I owe a lot to Reggie. Yeah. But you know, a thing a lot of people don't know is that I had played a party for Reggie before, like in the nineties Okay. with my crew. Right. But Reggie remembered me. And as well as who also, yeah. when he was looking for DJs, suggested me, Robert Williams, right, and my cousin Ali, okay, and because he used to cut Reggie hair. Oh, nice. And then, but Reggie didn't know that Jamie three two six was what? Jamie Lux. Lux. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> then this connection kind of happened, oh, okay. and it went. It was actually very cosmic how right. that happened. And then it's like, yeah, you put together this lineup with me, DJ Reg, because DJ Reg is not Reggie Corner, right? That that's my man Reg McClain, right, right. So these lineups. For, for a few years was me, myself, DJ Reg, and Andre Hatchet. Ah. And we started off doing these parties at like Red No 5. Right. And they was popping. Yeah. First the Prop House, then Red No 5. Okay. Then it went to another space, and it was the Concrete Jungle. Mm. And the thing is, when they started that party at the Concrete Jungle, people were like, you can't do no house music on the South Side oh. or do this kind of underground type right, party right, right, right. on the South Side. This is in 2000 and 2000 to 2001, one okay. or two. But it popped off hard. Yeah. So it's like, I'm forgetting the main guy who had the space, but I can tell you it was it was Reggie Corner, okay. Hans, right. and, uh, and Sheldon, Sheldon Reese. Okay. They they were the three promoters oh, and wow. these parties were crazy. Right. You know, loft party on the south side. Yeah. Going down. Nice. And it's like that was the start to a lot of stuff starting to pop off on the south side right. after that. Right. Because prior to that, you had like, excuse me, had like Sodar and them doing yeah. things like, you know, chicken wings, yeah. then the red pepper. Yeah. And, you know, a few other people, but it wasn't nothing on that kind of scale, like an underground right. party on the South Side. Yeah. And then, yeah, then we graduated and created the basement and Reg just put me as the main DJ. That's nice. Yeah. 
it was nice, but it wasn't nice. <laughs> <laughs> because the hell I got, right. because people weren't used to that anymore from how it used to be, okay. it would be one or two DJs. Yeah. So when I got thrown in that mix, they're like, who you think he is? He right. think he Ron Hardy? Think right. he Frankie Knuckles? <laughs> you know, just one DJ? And right. I had to basically retrain myself because I was used to playing two-hour sets. Yeah. Then had to learn how to stretch out a night. Yeah. Then as well, I wanted to play new music mm-hmm. and mix this up in yeah. with it. And then we found a way. And as well, another lesson is sometimes you need to be able to take constructive criticism. Correct. Because Reggie was like, you can't just force all this new music yeah, on them. You yeah. got to find a way to you make it work. It slowly. I found yeah. a way to make it work because at one time that crowd was core old school music box and power plant people right. and other people. And then it's like, it kind of filtered out. Yeah. I kind of changed things. I had to literally tune myself out. I had people right in front of me. The booth was on the floor. Wow. Screaming like, play Dr. Love, play right. Dr. Love. And I'm like, yeah, you're trying to blame this. Yeah. yeah. You know, and had to do that. I, you know, Stuck to my guns. That's how you had to do it. And it worked. Yeah. You know, so it's like myself, it's a lot of other crews that were putting in work in the early 2000s. Yeah. And there's a lot of people now benefiting from the sacrifice a lot of us did, Absolutely. including promoters. Yeah. Including, like, at one time, it was only really like three people, four people that doing it. You had yeah. Reggie. Yeah. Rhonda. Wynell and the Attic Crew. Yeah. Then you had, like, Soul and Hole Crew. Yeah. New Bank Clan. Right. That was it. And then the radio parties. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, then it went to the radio parties yeah. and that. Uh, oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's like in between that, going into the 2000s, I also started networking and meeting a lot of people off the internet, off okay. the legendary site, the Deep House page. Okay. And I started meeting people on the forum. Right. And I connected with people like who were in New York. Yeah. Who like in Baltimore and all this place. And I started going. Yeah, you was traveling your yeah, butt yeah. off, man. But at first I was just going as a fan and if you know, fill it out. I oh, wasn't okay. just going to spin. Yeah, I'm trying to spin. No, because I love history and I love all the history of dance music right. and all this. And I make these connections and find things out. Okay. But of course, number one, yeah. house is from Chicago. Exactly. And that's that's that. Right. But in between that, then I started playing certain events on the East Coast. And things like that. Mm, okay. And making these connections that kind of helped me get in in different, you know, scenes and right, things like right, that. Right, right. And then eventually from mixes being on that website, yeah. that's when I got like my first international booking. Oh, nice. So it's like I kind of broke the mold because for so long they were saying, you gotta have a track out. That is true. To get that is true. You definitely did that. To to get out. Cause I I was seeing you at the time, like Jamie's just been traveling a lot, man. I'm like, and you did break the mold because I'm like, well, you really ain't have nothing out, but right. you got to be a cold brother to go out there to do that, you know? Well, thank you, but it ain't easy. <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy. You know, once again, I had to learn. Absolutely. You know, and figure that out. So most definitely the the core of me is Chicago. Yeah. And I'm all about being a positive representative of my city right. and of my culture and knocking down a lot of these stereotypes, yeah. you know, so to speak. And yeah. it's, it's most definitely it's a blessing. And I also took a lot of chances, a lot of risk. Right. I invested in myself because in this period I was also still working That's good. and had a day job. Right. So I could invest in myself, invest in my craft and do things like that. And yeah. you have to be able to do that. That's it's, good that you said that because a lot of people don't invest in themselves like that. They yeah. do anything else, but they won't no. invest in themselves. No, 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 not yeah. even it, Dude, we gave away, me and Reggie did street promotion where we gave away thousands of CDs yeah. and things like that. Right. It's just, 
you got to market yourself and invest in yourself yeah. for for people to know you. It's, right. it's just like, and as well, you got to be social yeah. and get out and get in the mix. You can't just like how some people used to do back in the day. They go out and just hand a CD to the promoter yeah, yeah. and leave. Exactly. You don't even go through a place and be social or try to right. build a Nothing relationship, like a connection. It's different now, brother. Yeah, way <laughs> different. Still the same. They just inbox you now. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jamie, you've become a very high profile globally after moving away from Chicago. How do you feel the love helped you and what made you take such a leap at that time just to, to go out there? Man, well, you know, I started going over there a lot, especially mid to late, you know, 2000s. Okay. But the thing is, a lot of people didn't know, you know, what I was doing and I was planting seeds. Right. And started getting a lot of traction and action. And then I just started going over a little bit more, a little bit more to the point that it was turning into, you know, mini tours and right. summer tours and things like that. And it's like, man, it wasn't glamorous, bro. I'm going to be real. I couch surfed. I <laughs> right. did all, all kinds of stuff yeah. because as well, I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to get in and do, yeah, you know what happen. I could do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and hindsight now, yeah, I know some of this stuff, I would have done very differently. So yeah. I took some low paying gigs or whatever. Cause I'm like, Hey, I'm trying to get in. I'm trying yeah. to get exposure. I'm trying to build relationships Correct. and things like That's that. That's the way to do it. Yeah. So as time progressed, I just started going over a lot more. Okay. Staying a lot more. And then I was just like, you know what? I think you like I'm going to make this move. Wow. And that's a big step though. And I did it first. Yeah. I moved in and lived over there for like five months. Okay. And I was like, it's the first time I ever lived away from Chicago. Right. Not even like another state. Really? And I'm in another country. Wow. And I was like, man, I'm good. Okay. Because, of course, it's different now. You know, you got Skype. You got all this. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. it had been 30 years ago and I got to write letters and all that, <laughs> I've been messed up. Like, I miss my mama. I miss everybody. You know, it's, it's, right. it's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's just, I as well, I saw that they embraced our culture and our history. Yes. Even to the point that they embrace it and know it better yeah. than people who were here and were knee deep in it. Yeah. And that's also kind of sad. It is. That it's like I'm meeting uni students right. who are like 20, 22, and they can run down what was going on the and history. what was happening and right. know the history right. and then ask me questions about things that I'm like, How do you, oh, you know about right. that? And just like, whoa. And it's like here, you got people who were knee deep in it and yeah. They don't understand it or don't know. And what people from Chicago need to understand is the world looks at us as Mecca. Yeah. We have a powerful gift just being from here. Correct. You need to embrace that. Yeah, and, and that's why I, I do this, man. Like I said, I talked to you before. I do this because I want to get that history and, and make sure people understand it, who it came from, and mm. for us not to get looked over anymore. Yeah, mo most definitely because... I've had some interesting conversations in my travels, especially yeah. in Europe, because as well, there's some people, because a lot of history right. regarding house and techno has been whitewashed. Yeah. So there's people who think the house and techno started in the UK, right. in Europe. Yeah. They don't know that it's black music and yeah. it started in the ghettos of Chicago and, and Detroit. Detroit. Right, exactly. You know, and... I have to <laughs> set the record right on certain things, yeah. you know, and as well, once again, dispel some of these myths, some of these lies, right. you know, about things that's just not right, you know, and let them know that where it comes from. And once again, be a positive representative. Yes. And as well, educate, 
Correct. And teach people the right things. So I've had convers- heavy conversations with people and, and taught them about this culture and yeah. things that they didn't know or didn't understand as right. well. I also can present it from a different perspective because I started off on the other side of the booth first. Yeah. As a head, right. not just a DJ. Yeah, yeah. So I have a different, you know, perspective on it. And as well, I'm still a fan of it right. and, and a fan of the culture. And this culture parallels so much with hip hop and how hip hop started. It does. And but the difference is they embrace their legends. They do. And they make sure it's not just one little box, even though it is to a certain extent yeah, with hip hop. Yeah. But still, they also acknowledge that. I think the youngest acknowledge movement. it. Yeah, the youngest acknowledge it because they know who it is. Right. I think the problem is right now, a lot of people who try to do our history don't know where it came from or, or think that somebody else made it, but it wasn't the truth. But I wanted to touch this because you, you got into it. I was like, since living overseas, how do you feel house music is represented in the mainstream and how different is it here in the U.S.? Uh, it's most definitely been, it's like, I learned this, especially hanging hard in the UK. Right. I didn't know, like some records that we might consider deep or whatever, especially house music, where we might be like, this is underground. Right. They could be like, this is commercial. Yeah. You know, because it was pop music. Right. It was, it was right. chart. Yeah. It was chart top radio and, and everything. Right. Yeah. So they're like, don't play this. We're tired of that. And I'm like, <laughs> man, this is a joint. And they just right. like. No, that's commercial. Don't yeah. don't play it because I had to learn this. I yeah. didn't know, you know. And I'm like, oh, all of this is, it was on a way broader, yeah, you know, scale than here, Absolutely. and it was almost like regional to certain parts of the states. Yeah. Then when it did get a little global, or whatever, or get some recognition, especially like with Crystal Waters, yeah. then next thing you know, you got Living Color do a parody of it, yeah. and then it's like, right, you know, right. that that kind of stuff. So as well in Europe. Dance music is a part of pop music, right? And a part of culture, yeah. And it's like here, it's not, it's not that. So yeah, it's yeah. like I can go to a a store, a cafe, or whatever, and hear, yeah, stuff that I like. Man, I party to this, yeah, and it's like, like like we was over in over like in Amsterdam, and and Paul Johnson get down was was just playing on the radio, oh, they, regular rotation. They play my like, brother's wow. John. That's like an anthem, yeah. anthem, anthem there. Yeah. You got street dancers dancing to this, right. all of that. It's like that down, down, down. They they go off on that. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, so it's almost like it's it's pop music because as well, it's a part of their culture. Right. And it's like here, it's stigmas to it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, it's not just gay culture that this comes from, but they always try to broadcast it, you know, that way. And I'm not, you know, dissing you know nobody but right, right, right. part of the culture does come from them but a lot of it comes from other people as well yeah yeah so in your opinion is there a place for house music in the mainstream or is it best left underground as an art form you know what it's a little bit of both okay it's Do mainstream tell. globally not nationally in the states yeah, yeah. that's the, the difference yeah. I mean that's also one of the reasons why I went overseas yeah that's what the market is right that's that's the market yeah and it's like if this is if you're in any particular industry that's just like if you in the the chips and computers and things like yeah. that you're going to silicon valley right it's it's no, the same good. thing that's, you know you're going where the technology is you're going, right there right you're going where the game is right you know so it's like wow i would love to be here if i if i tried to stay yeah. in the box that they tried to put me in here 
I'd be another angry DJ yeah. on the internet, yeah. you know, and fighting with right. people over scraps. Right. And it's like, the world is my residence. There you That's go. how I look at That's it. That's nice, brother. That's nice. So tell me about living overseas and then coming back to the States. Can you bring something back that's big overseas and then that nobody knows yet and then play it out here and get a good reaction from it? Yeah, I do that all the time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it's like I've always broken, you yeah. know, broken records uh, and I know how to break records. So it's certain stuff that I've, I've broken over the years yeah. that are still being played or even like something I came back and I played a party for Reg and I broke Coughlow stress relief. Right, right. You know, so it's it's always something that I can bring, but it's not even like it's coming from overseas. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, if it's fresh, if it's hot, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just going to play it. And, and I don't care. I'm like not going to... That's part of the problem here as well. You got yeah. 800 DJs playing the same program. <laughs> Tell me about Sharing it, the same hard drive. Oh, stop it. Stop you know, it. <laughs> stop playing Hey Hey, the trumpeter. Stop. Hey man, it's, it's that radio, man. It's, it's, it ain't just radio because Mike ain't playing that on, on 106. No, no, no. But you know, I, I'm but, just saying that the radio crowd when they when yeah, they go yeah, out, yeah, they, yeah, they want to hear that, man. But you know that too. But as well, DJs got to have some musical balls. Yeah, and you got to know how to. But I guess as well that comes down to programming, and everyone doesn't know how to set up. That's right. A a new song. That's right. You know, it's either gonna be they gonna play. Cause they own this. Oh, I'm on the newest of the new, right? And they want to play an hour of yeah. unfamiliar sounds to people, and then get mad <laughs> when it's tumbleweeds on the dance floor. Right, right. It's like it don't work like that. But you know, back in the day, like you said, you play a new and break a new record. Of course, you can have people get on the dance floor. You just got to be secure with yourself to keep playing that record, yeah. and then go into the other one and get the people back on the dance floor. Right. That's yeah. that's it. it. Yeah. I'll give you a tip. It's the sandwich method. Right. Play something they know. Right. Put in that new unfamiliar right. joint and then follow it. There you go. With something familiar. We all know that, Jimmy. That's house one on one right there, brother. They don't know it. Because <laughs> <laughs> if they did, they wouldn't be doing it. What? But anyway. Say, go ahead, tell names then. Sell, no, I'm just playing. No, I ain't doing that one, though. Okay. I, I ain't doing so that one. So let's go back to you know. what was some of your first productions and then when was it re, uh, when was it released? Man, you know, actually, I got more known for my edits yes. than like straight original productions okay so it's like once again marketing things like that i gave my edits to certain djs okay who i knew were on a certain level right but as well certain djs i was cool with yeah especially like you know my man theo kenny all the guys in detroit right i would just go up there and kick it and i'll always pass out, give out cds yeah, with, yeah. with edits and things like that on and they would play this stuff but i didn't know that they was like playing this all over the world right Till people started getting back to me about yeah. certain stuff. And I'm like, oh. Right. And then, okay. Then I put out, you know, some edits and it popped. But I would say um, first original, like if I say production. Okay. Probably would be like 2009, okay. something like that. Like, And it really even be production. It's basically like a remix and yeah. I flipped it, flipped it. Okay. you know, no, a little that's, bit. That's still production but, though. But you yeah, but be, most definitely it kicked up a lot after like, 2014. Okay. And then it's just like I started doing a lot of stuff. I released stuff on Rush Hour. Good. You know, I connected with a lot of people over in Amsterdam. Right. So it's like I've released with my partner, my main man, my boy Bobby Masalo. Okay. We did some stuff, you right. know, that dropped on Local Talk. We okay. did some stuff that dropped on Rush Hour. Nice. You know, so it's like that's when it really, 
you know, started, I started developing, you know, a sound and a different right. sound. Yeah. So it still has elements of most definitely Chicago, especially with the drum programming and things like yeah. that. And then with some influences from stuff I've been exposed to over yeah, there, yeah. you know, make a gumbo and, right. and you know, put, it, put together. it together. So it's like, yeah, so it went from me doing edits to now, you know, I got stuff out on, on defective records. That's good. So you know? give, give me Jamie's gear list, man. What What's your go-to gear to make some of these records then? Oh, man, I'm like everybody else. I got a cracked version of Ableton. <laughs> uh, <laughs> cracked plugins. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm going to be real, man. So it's you all know, in the box then? It's, it's, oh. it's, it's in the box, okay. but to the most part now, uh, <laughs> being serious, but now, you know, the studio... That I'm in, I share with my partner Danu P. Okay. And and uh, his lady Laura. Okay. So Danu is a keyboardist. He has a ton of uh, synths. Okay. Good. And then I have uh, you know, we have a couple of drum machines, but for the most yeah. part, a lot of it is done still in the box. But we mix it up, and that's, you know, like I said, it's like my favorite plugins to use are like from Arturia. Okay. Right. Especially yeah. for like the synths. Absolutely. Like, like that's the bomb Arturia. Right, right. And then I still use Reason. I use Reason Rack. Ooh. And I do my drums. I'm giving away some of the recipe, but yeah. (laughs) So I still use Reason for drum programming, as well as sometimes I do it in Ableton, but I prefer Reason because the layout is like a drum machine. Okay. And that's it. And then the rest is just, you know, feeling and funk. Nice. Okay, cool, Jamie. So let me, name me what are your top three Chicago house records? Top three Chicago houses. See, and I I watch your show. So I know people be getting confused and, and all this. No, I'm gonna right. give it, I'm gonna give it to you. You're gonna give me the most house. definitely. Okay. And this is straight from Chicago. I would have to say number one would be Chippy's house. Okay. Number two would be the Night Riders, let the let the Ooh, music let the use, you. use you. Jerry McAllister, right. Exactly. Okay. I had to tell people that story. Right. <laughs> Abroad, but most definitely. That and then I would have to say. Wow, and number three, because he's so influential on me, it would have to be, and it can't just be Larry Heard, it would have to be All of Fingers Fingers Inc., another side, that whole album. Okay, that's good to know, man. So, Jamie, what do you think, where do you see the future of house music, man? Ooh, you know, the future of, of house music is, in regards to where it is abroad, I'm also playing a part to help us help make sure it's in the right hands with certain people by mentoring okay. and and schooling people on That's the nice. proper history and things like that. That's but good. in Chicago, we need to have some new younger DJs. Yes, absolutely. And that's why I've supported and had my boy play at a lot of stuff, J Star. Yeah. And I love he's him. Good. He's a very talented he's very young talented, man yes. and, a, and a very, very tight DJ. Okay. So I'm gonna say this. So y'all can hear this and, and listen right, and learn. Right, right. We don't need any more new 50-year-old DJs. <laughs> Damn. We need to school some younger talent in this. Right. Because the other difference is we created this here in Chicago, but globally, there's no black DJs under the age of 35 touring mm. internationally. Reach. That is how you keep. Yeah. House music alive and keep house music going. Okay. Mentor. Yeah. Mentor some younger talents. Preach, Jamie. Preach, man. That that's that's why. Okay. <laughs> that's what needs to be done. Let me ask you another question that is very controversial. Where do you think the term house music came from? 
I watch the show. (laughs) (laughs) So I put it like this. It's a little bit of everything (laughs) that people have said. So I got to give my my boy, that's my uncle, and he was an influence on me, and I learned a lot from him. Okay. I give Leonard his props for being one of the pioneers in it. Most definitely. That's Leonard Remix Yeah, Leonard Remix Mori, for sure. As well as, yeah, that's the part with Frank or whatever. But, and that's not a diss to Frank. Right. But it's like, this culture and all this was a citywide movement. It didn't just start, or uh, the end all be all is Frankie, the Hot Miss Five, that's it. Right. No, once again, it's just like hip hop. Right. Street DJ movement, all of this. So to me, I'm more about house culture than right. just trying to figure out where house music okay. came from because I'm from the culture right. of house. So to me, house is style, it's a dress, it's fashion. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is talk, culture. All, all of that. Yeah. So I give I give Frank his part in it, but honestly, it's like to me, what I consider house music yeah. is the electronic part as well. Correct. And that's what the world got. Right. So that's a whole nother, you know, term that it could no, go into as that's well. Good that you but said it's that. the truth. Yeah, right. That's good that you, you know, said because that. you have the house culture. Right. But to me, in regards to house music, right. is you of course all the disco, punk out, all that, yeah, yeah, you yeah. consider that house as well. But you got the electronic aspect of it. And that's the part that I'm like, right. that's house music. Okay. So since you went there, we're gonna go there too. So Beyonce said something on the Grammys saying that the queer community created this genre of ours, which is house slash dance music. What are your thoughts on that? I'll be right back. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no seriously, it's, uh, in my opinion, once again, the culture. We're not talking about the culture. We're talking okay. about who created this genre of house music. Oh, no, it doesn't. It doesn't just start or end with them. You, okay. you, you can't say that. Like I said, most definitely they were very influential on the culture. Correct. I also cannot say that there weren't any kind of, you know, gay artists or anything like that. But to my my personal opinion is that it started with young straight kids. And it's, it's like I said, I'm not trying to create, you know, no right. extreme controversy. Right, right. But a lot of these artists who were making this electronic music or whatever, First off, a lot of them were nerds and geeks, <laughs> you true. know, and they were making these joints and doing their thing. So right. it's like, I can't, I can't say that. That's a, a bad blanket statement that, yeah. that she came up yeah. with because. But we all know that it was created in Chicago. Right. Kids from Chicago, from the West side of Chicago and South side of Chicago. We do know that's the truth. Yeah. That you, you can't, you, you can't, you, you can't, can't deny, deny that. Right. You, you, you can't deny that because as well. Those kids that were doing that, right. they weren't going to the gay clubs. Right. So they didn't even know nothing about that. Yeah. They were just making tracks. Okay. Well, listen, I'd like to thank everybody tuning in for everything in house music and more. Remember, click the button, hit subscribe, and hit the notification button. Jamie, I love you, man. Thank you for doing this. Wait a minute, man. You didn't oh. ask me about the beefs. I, I watch your oh, show, okay. man. So you, you want to go into that then? <laughs> no, I ain't got no beefs with nobody, man. <laughs> so let's go ahead about that. Do you, do you have any, um, are there any rumors or beefs? In Chicago with Jamie three two six, rumors, man. I had so many. It's, it's crazy, but 
Anything you want to no. clear up then to, to the audience right now? Only thing I want to clear up is that I'm going to continue to remain a positive representative of my city yes. and of my culture. And I never forget my roots and where I came from. Chicago right. is what made me. And now I give the world Chicago and a real taste of Chicago. That's that. I don't have no beef with nobody. There you go. I ain't got time note, for that. There you go, brother. So beef don't pay my bills. Hey, who, who you telling? <laughs> On that note, brother, once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for doing this, Jamie. I really man, appreciate thank this, you, man. Mo. I love what you're hey, doing, I man. Appreciate I appreciate that, man. it. I'm trying to do it for the culture, man. That's what you're doing it. All right. That's why I'm here. That's Once what you're again, doing man, it for. Hey, hit Jamie up on Facebook, Instagram, all your thing, good things for him. He, you know where you at. I'm Googleable. There you go. Google. That's a good word right there. I like that. All right, y'all. Trademark. Peace out. <laughs> all right. Peace. <laughs>